Hey, Corey, we talk about workforce housing a lot and, uh, and how there's a missing middle, how affordability is a problem, and there's lots of factors that uh, put us in a position where it's hard for rents to become more affordable. And we as a business have looked a lot at what we can do to help keep rents affordable through some private market lending programs like our social impact loans and our mezzanine loans with some pretty substantial benefits over time. Agreed. And uh, benefiting rent is fantastic, but that's not the only expense uh, where some innovative lending can make a difference. What about utilities? Welcome to the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast. I'm Steve Guggenmoss. And I'm Corey Aber. Today we're going to talk about green improvements in workforce housing. Back in 2016, we introduced our Green Advantage suite of loan products designed to help property owners make energy and water efficiency upgrades to the properties, with the ultimate goal of improving the living conditions of tenants and reducing tenants' monthly expenses. And since then, we've had tremendous success supporting a lot of properties and gathering a lot of data. And today we're going to look at that data in some detail and get into the story of how the Green Advantage came about. Joining us to help tell the story, we'll have Justin Thompson, the primary author of the paper we just published, Green Improvements in Workforce Housing, that looks at the data that we've gathered from our Green Advantage program. But first, we'll spend some time with Peter Giles, production VP and head of the Western Region and the executive sponsor of the Green Advantage program. Peter Giles, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Steve. So, Peter, when we when we started in the green space, this was clearly a market that didn't have a lot of traction at significant scale in multifamily, you know, particularly for workforce housing. So, fast forward two years, and it's a bit of a different story. Uh, so, what happened? Yeah, uh, great question. We uh, we were. <laughs> Figuring out how to be in the space, the, our regulator, FHFA, um, had, had created a path for us to be in the space. And we, and we thought through that. Initially, as you see green uh, in commercial real estate, you see it in the form of certifications, uh, lead certification buildings, uh, really focused on new builds and deploying the, the new products out there. Um, that are are fast coming. There's a lot of technology uh, for water and energy savings. And so we thought our way through that and thinking through our mission, which is workforce housing-based. We came up with a solution by leveraging the regulator's task um, that we could uncap these deals um, and when we uncap a deal, there there is some break to the rate we're offering borrowers. And we felt that if we could incentivize them to look at workforce housing, put in capital improvements, preserving that housing, but updating it um, to the 21st century and updating it with a focus on uh, water consumption reduction, and energy consumption reduction. And so we rolled the program out in 2016, August. We thought we'd, we'd hit the market with a bit of a, sla- a splash and maybe projected to do about um, uh, $5 billion a year in capital improvements uh, in loans that we're doing, incentivizing borrowers to do capital improvements. Um, 
And we entered 2016, we rolled it out in August and had a really uh, terrific year. We did about $3 billion of volume, which which felt uh, uh, surprised us a bit that um, it was a large amount. But then we rolled into 2017 and the program really took off. Again, we were focused on properties built um, uh, prior to 1999 at that point. Today, we've taken that restriction off and um, are, are willing to look at properties of any age, but we continue, even today, our average age is 1989. But going back in 2017, we had an, uh, an amazing year. We did over $18 billion of loans in the space in 2017. And last year, even as we think through this and press for more consumption reduction, had a, had a a terrific year and did uh, nearly $23 billion of new loans in this space. So back to your original question, what happened? How did we get there? We started broadly looking at new technology and new buildings and didn't feel that that matched our mission. We moved it to workforce housing and have had uh, just extraordinary success in the product. And and Peter, you mentioned the, the growth and, and – uh, how it kind of skyrocketed, uh, I think it was in 2017, is that right? Yes. Yeah, and uh, was there, what kind of led to the adoption, do you think, that uh, that created the growth? Yeah, I, I think that, um, I think there's a market out there, and I think we didn't understand um, how large that market was, and that borrowers are more than willing if helped, if and we help them by reducing their their spread to preserve this workforce uh, population of of assets, and there are some simple fixes here. Right, you can put new shower heads and aerators and low flow toilets in and save significant amount of water. You can put LED lighting in, and so it's all this new tech and save significant amount of energy. Um, and I think that um, th- through the the program um, from from the regulator and through our adoption of that, and then thinking through um, that our borrowers uh, have been fast adopters of it and are seeing real benefits um, on on the property, both in preserving those older. Uh, uh, and what I mean by preserving is is updating these, but keeping these uh, assets in place, and then seeing the benefits of real reduction in energy and in water. So, Peter, you're out talking to developers all the time. Uh, So what were you hearing early on as we rolled out the program? Yeah, probably some trepidation. Is this going to work? You know, how do I do this? Um, How much money is it going to cost me? Is it really going to save me? I mean, that was the initial reaction and and uh, so what we're able to do is provide an assessment um, uh, our seller servicers provide an assessment that gives a menu of items that a borrower can uh, can pick and choose um, it has to add up to the consumption reduction amount we're trying to get them to and so you'll see a mixed <clears throat> capital improvement program, you'll see that someone will do shower heads and or LED lighting, matching both an energy reduction and a, and a water uh, reduction. So um, at, at first, maybe some trepidation. It was a new program, right? How will it work? 
we put it into our normal launch of all our products. It goes through a conventional route. It goes through the producers who are working coast to coast for Freddie Mac, uh, looking for loans through our seller servicer Optigo network and, and bringing those in. And we really wanted to create it so it wasn't a disruptive outside of the normal process loan process that we do. So we're, we were able to fit it into what we do every day. We felt that was, that was key to, to adoption. And in doing that, uh, borrowers had a choice. They made a quick choice, and then they were, it was the same process. So that wasn't anything new. And what I mean by process is putting together a full package, getting that to us, and getting to a closing table and having us purchase that loan. So all that felt the same. What they needed to do was capital improvements, and frankly, uh, borrowers do a lot of capital improvements um, to their assets. Uh, this is just folding in uh, improvements that, that are energy or water-based uh, focused. So trepidation at first, but not so much today? Not a $23 billion. It's a big number. I mean, I think that's over 700 loans. It's uh, a year. And um, that that's a lot of adoption, and uh, no, it's 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 part of what we do now. Um, for only being something we launched in 2016, it feels very much aligned with our mission and very much with what we do each and every day. All right. So, um, yes. So, it just came out in 2016. So, it is relatively new, but we have seen some changes to the program over time. So, how do you think those changes have been adopted by the market and you? Know, do you think that's the that's changed behavior? Yeah, I, I think the changes and and uh, I say this earnestly are uh, a work with us and the regulator on how to better the program. <clears throat> and I think when you're you have an op- opportunity to do that when a program um, has had such success, and so each and every year uh, the regulator. Um, comes to us and we, we talk about where the program is and uh, where the program has gone broadly was uh, to a water program. And that's terrific. Believe me, I, I work in uh, most of my markets are in the western part of the United States. There's severe droughts there. For years I've worked in Texas. Texas has, had, has been a drought state for some time. So water is terrific. Um, and we are saving literally hundreds of millions of gallons of water each year. Um, but the focus we began to talk to the regulator about was how can we drive more energy beca- uh, reduction? Because what we're finding is that is getting to the tenants. And when it gets to the tenants, um, we see a greater savings um, that the tenant can enjoy. And I think that is is part of the pillars we stand on here, is driving down costs for tenants. Um, broadly, affordable housing is tighter and tighter in the United States, and if we can drive down cost in in any way for a tenant, we find real value in that. So each year, uh, the program's been tweaked. Uh, we began with a 15% reduction in 2016. That moved to a 20 percent reduction in 2018 by 2018 and uh, this year we're looking at a 30 percent reduction of which half of, of that must be an energy reduction and so I think the regulator ho- hope and our hope is that um, you'll begin to see the tenants um, being certain to get an energy reduction cost reduction on their uh, monthly bills. 
so that's how it's changed. It's it's gotten tighter and tighter. The year has a long way to your to your question directly is is that working? And and we're in a bit of a wait and see right now. Right now our numbers are down. It's very early, but uh, a month and a half into it, we're down 33 percent from last year. We're trying to understand is is that cost prohibitive uh, to the borrowers to to fix these changes. So that's a, there's a bit of wait and see in that. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I, you mentioned before how this is consistent with our mission, and then by connecting to the idea that the benefit would go through to tenants on something that's paid for by the by the owners is uh, is interesting and. Uh, and so that's how the that's how the push towards energy goes, I guess. And uh, and you're saying we still have to feel how the pickup is on that. Is that right? Yeah, I, I you know our numbers are down, but th- there can be other reasons that um, our green numbers are down at this point. So it's a watch and see. And and you're right about that, Steve. It, it's threading the needle. The the borrowers are paying for these improvements. They would like broadly for all building energy costs to go down and some benefit to their bottom line. If we are targeting those going in unit, um, those those are not uh, benefits, reduction benefits that go directly to the borrower. So there's a little bit of threading the needle here um, to get borrowers to recognize there's real value to the tenant and there's real value in being green. Part of the conversations we have with developers is, yes, that may be going in the tenant, and yes, your electricity bill might not be uh, going down, but here are other reasons why that's good for you. And marketing um, comes up quite a bit, and we're finding a lot of renter, uh, a lot of renters like to live in a green building, like to live in a sustainable environment like to be in a, in, uh, with an owner who thinks through that. And in fact, we've heard stories of those who are passionately green uh, having marketing and tenants come in and, and uh, they are calculating the savings that go to that tenant via the green and challenge that tenant as they shop throughout the day at other places, take this to, your, take this to uh, our competitor and ask them where their green is. And um, sometimes they'll go to that competitor, and they're and they're not focused whatsoever. Tenants like it um, for for all those re- reasons, and um, so I I think there's value that we continue to talk about with borrowers, even if it at the end of the day, from an energy consumption reduction is not hitting their bottom line. It certainly is at the very outset as we reduce our mortgage rate. But there are marketing and other reasons. There are tenants that want that environment, and they recognize that. I mean, it sounds fantastic that, it, that it's a program that is able to give people satisfaction in where they live and, and selecting in a way like that, and, uh, and also you know saving the hundreds of millions of gallons of water, as you say. There's, there's just benefits all around. Agreed. Agreed. So, Peter, with the, the new standards this year, um, you know, curious what you see happening. I don't, so January, you said, was a, a little slow. But, you know, Steve's usually the one who makes the, the forecasts. Uh, so maybe we'll put you on the hook this time. What do you think? You're asking Steve or me. You're putting me on the hook for forecasting. I'm happy to do that. Um, you, you know, I think we need to wait and see 
the real cost of this and and understand what our subsidy uh, cost can be. Um, initially, we had pegged this number to get a 30% reduction, half of which is energy, at about 800 a door uh, cost. Uh, the the numbers that have come in are less than that. They they're coming in around $480 a door. I think that if we're if that cost holds on, if that's a reasonable cost at 480, I think we'll be flat to slightly down from last year. Um, I think if it is the larger number, it may look more what our January numbers came in, which is down a, a, about 25%. Um, so it's it's wait and see. I feel really good if we're able to accomplish it at 480, which it, which is a significant capital improvement. I mean, the, the real things are getting done at the property, but balanced by our subsidy, by the uncappedness of how we're pricing it, I think uh, I think flat, which is a terrific number, over 700 loans, $23 billion, it'll stay on course. Right. And, and a lot of savings to the tenants from the energy, right? Uh, uh, we think real savings to the tenants, and, and it, those savings could be $40, $50 a month in reduced water and energy cost. Wow, and absolutely. When we talk about the cost of housing and how that's going up, you know, every every dollar counts. So, you know, up in the thirty to fifty dollar range, that's uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we think it's significant. Well, Peter, th this has really been fantastic. Uh, have we have we missed anything that you want to highlight? I I don't think we we have. But Steve, you did touch on a point about our position, how we continue to feel about this this program. We think it's mission-centric. We think it's it's focused on workforce housing, on workforce tenants, and it's it's reducing their monthly cost. We think it's great for the environment. And I'm looking out my window in Chicago. It's it's not bad today, but it'll be cold tomorrow. And when it's cold tomorrow, you've got you can have energy seeping through old windows, going through bad insulation, um, et cetera in a cold environment. You know, we work coast to coast, so we're in Arizona, and having air conditioning costs blow out the same uh, poorly or older constructed um, uh, uh, workforce housing is an issue. And then when we think about water, as I mentioned early, earlier, hundreds of millions of dollars are, are, are of gallons of water seeping out, right? Now we're saving those in, in drought. So from a tenant workforce mission-centric focus to an environmental focus. It's a terrific program. We're pleased that the regulator has directed us this way. We're pleased at the success, and we hope to continue it. Well said. This, is, this has really been informative. Uh, thanks a lot, Peter. Thank you. Welcome back. We'll be joined in a minute by Justin Thompson, the lead author of our Spotlight on Underserved Markets series paper called Green Improvements in Workforce Housing. Thanks, Corey. And, uh, and just starting with a few of the numbers, um, we funded over $36 billion in loans purchased, financing nearly 367,000 units across 1,300 properties, and that's through the third quarter of last year. Uh, they're primarily workforce housing properties with an average uh, 33 years old and 89% of the units affordable at the area median income or below. 
And uh, borrowers are projected to spend nearly $175 million in improvements. That's a lot of money on improvements. All right. So, Justin, uh, you know, we always rely on you for, for the details and the, the nuance in a lot of the green data. So let's dig into some of these numbers a little further. But, you know, first, you know, let's get into how the program works and how we're collecting the data. Sure. So all of this starts with an energy and water efficiency property audit which is performed by a qualified green consultant. So the consultant goes to the property and reviews the systems and condition of the property, and they will produce what we call a green assessment or a green assessment plus. And so these green reports provide the borrowers with the information that they would need to determine what improvements they're going to make at the property so that they can achieve the increased energy water efficiency targets at the property and do that in the most cost-effective way. So part of that, uh, part of the reports is we're collecting the data from that report. Uh, some of that data includes the actual recommendations, what are those costs, what are some of the projected savings, and we're collecting that through this uh, an automated data process uh, collection. And we store that in a database and use that for additional analysis. Good. So, Justin, we've been collecting this data since we started the program in 2016, and but the program's evolved over time. So what does that mean for the data and what we're finding? Certainly. So uh, when we launched in 2016 and really through 2017, we had a qualifying standard of uh, at least 15% consumption reduction in energy and water. And we also had a uh, $350 per unit minimum spend requirement. In 2018, uh, this has increased it increased to 25% consumption reduction, and that was actually across the entire property. Uh, now in 2019, the standard has uh, evolved again and is now a 30% combined requirement uh, where 15% of that reduction needs to come from the energy side. Uh, another piece that we've focused on uh, improving as well is with our data collection process. Uh, in the early stages of the program, we had uh, worked to develop a standardized green report and worked to automate the process for collecting the data. Um, prior to that standardization and automation, we were really uh, collecting this through a manual, pretty labor-intensive process. It just it took a lot of time, and it made it hard for us to really dig into the data. Uh, and so now that we've developed a standard form that's actually used by all the consultants, uh, and we're collecting that data, it's really helped improve our process and helped us to, to dig deeper and do some, some additional analysis. Yeah, that sounds great. So uh, have we seen differences in the data with the changes in the standards? Yes. So what we really found under the original 15% requirement, borrowers uh, were uh, by about 68% selecting water improvements. Um, on the energy side, we found that 22% of borrowers were selecting improvements in order to meet the required savings targets. And there was about an 11% of borrowers that actually met that 15% requirement both through energy and water. Uh, this changed fairly significantly in, in 2018 with that 25% uh, whole property increase. Uh, what we were finding was almost 96% of loans were meeting that savings target um, through selecting water improvements. 
So quite a shift there to where energy improvement selections were really only on about 4% of loans. When we started digging in, into that a little deeper, um, the primary driver that we were seeing with that shift, you know, really to a water program was the cost of the improvements. Now, the projected cost per unit for loans that qualified selecting water improvements um, uh, was definitely the lowest. And when you look at the energy qualified loans, that uh, cost increased by about 40%. Um, and so kind of putting some numbers behind that, the 25% the requirement, water qualified loans really projected a cost of about $312 per unit. Um, on the energy side, the, water, the uh, energy qualified loans were projecting uh, over $830 per unit. So it was a pretty uh, significant difference, about $500 in, in cost, which we think was a big uh, reason for the, the shift. Uh, another piece that we saw that uh, was a difference between the standards is on the cost savings, the projected savings for each of the loans. Um, we saw an increase on the water-qualified loans, but it's, it's fairly modest. It's only about a, a $29, $30 per unit increase. But on the energy-qualified loans, what we were seeing was the cost savings that were projected under the 15% requirement was around $130. That went all the way up to about $540 uh, per unit with the 25% requirement. So, you know, over $400 increase on the energy side, which was significant because we really anticipate those savings on the energy side are, are uh, likely going to be benefiting tenants. That's really interesting. That's a lot of great information that we've got collected. Does it get into uh, top water, top water, and top energy improvements and costs and recommendations on those? Yeah. So what we were finding the uh, on the water side, the most common selected water improvements were replacements of shower heads, uh, kitchen aerators, bathroom aerators, and toilets. On the energy side, really the the most common improvements selected were the exterior uh, common area LED lighting. Uh, that was followed by the interior LED lighting and then HVAC-related improvements like the replacement of thermostats and even we did see some system replacements and even we did see some uh, just general appliances, you know, refrigerators, dishwashers that were being replaced. Um, when we looked closer at the water improvements, you know, the, the, the reason for those being selected so often was really the combination of their consumption savings uh, and cost savings combined with the low cost to implement those improvements. Uh, so as an example, if you looked at shower heads and aerators for kitchens and bathrooms combined, a property owner could implement those at you know, roughly about $100 per unit. And they would then, uh, the projections uh, on the savings side was you know, about a 20% water reduction. Um, and so, you know, the, they also actually, the benefit of those improvements was they actually see a, a residual energy uh, savings as well. So that combination really made those, uh, you know, popular selection. Um, on the energy side, those really tend to be a mix of low-cost, medium, and high-cost projects. So some of the lower-cost projects, uh, you know, ranging from the LED lights or thermostat replacements, those costs about 170 to about $230 per unit. Um, the medium cost projects like 
insulating walls and, and roofs, replacing appliances like refrigerators or maybe a hot water heater. That range of, uh, is usually about a 450 maybe $600, $700 a unit cost. Um, and then for the really higher cost projects, you know, when you're replacing the systems with HVAC or, you know, actually window replacements, that cost goes up to, you know, $1,500, $1,600 a unit. So definitely a higher cost there. Um, and when we looked across all of those energy improvements, the savings projections there were about $105 a unit per year. So uh, certainly higher cost with, you know, maybe moderate or so savings on the energy side. So so with that, you know, variation in, in savings and the different options that that borrowers had on the properties, and you know, when we look at the data, um, you know, how much, you know, can we tell, you know, how much of that is likely to accrue to the tenants based on the different measures? Yeah, that's a great question, and I find a lot with these green improvements is it depends. It depends on the property. It depends a little bit on the billing arrangements there between the owner and tenants. Um, on the water cost savings side, it's a little bit more inconsistent, just depending on that billing arrangement. Uh, when looking on the energy side, the cost savings will um, typically typically be larger um, and typically benefit the tenants more directly. Uh, they're, they're generally more uh, directly responsible for those costs. What we, in terms of the data, the green reports did allocate, um, you know, based on those arrangements, the projected savings. So based on those reports, what we were seeing kind of overall for the program was about $130 uh, per unit per year that was projected for tenant savings. And then on the owner side, it was about a, a $90 um, savings for the owners. All right. So and then, you know, under the, uh, under the 2018 standard, did that change a little bit? Yeah, that's a good question. It, it, when we look just at those 25% uh, requirement loans, uh, that did change. It looked like the tenants were actually projected to save about $215 per unit versus uh, $40 uh, on the owner's side. So uh, definitely a, a shift there. Yeah. And so now in 2019, new standards, I'm going to ask you to uh, look into the crystal ball just a little bit. Uh, what do you think we'll see under the new standards? Yeah, so definitely kind of the, the million-dollar question. I think I think um, certainly a little bit hard to say, but based on the data that we have and what we've been looking at, certainly that minimum 15% energy requirement we do think is going to drive more in-unit energy improvements, and we find that that tends to benefit ten tenants more often. So that's certainly uh, something... Um, we look forward to. We think that's a great thing. Um, and uh, overall, we do think the actual projected savings are likely going to increase as well. Uh, we, we found that the energy improvements tended to have a higher um, kind of bang for your buck. Um, and so it's definitely something we're going to be tracking and looking pretty closely at uh, throughout the year. Hey, well, Justin, this has been really fantastic. Uh, you, you've collected a ton of great information on, on our programs and, and how it's affected buildings and tenants. And uh, we really look forward to doing this again um, as we uh, see how the 2019 progresses and, and what we learn about the, the new requirements.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast. If you're interested in more, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud.